Welcome to this week's episode of Relaunch My Life Radio, specially brought to you by Paul Alicio, who gave me the opportunity to be interviewed this week, and you're going to absolutely love the questions that he has asked. Welcome to Relaunch My Life Radio. I'm your host, Juliet Lever. And a few years ago, I personally relaunched my own life from being a workaholic, alcoholic, and chocoholic to now living a life of my own design. I'm on a mission to free you from an unfulfilling job or passionless life. And so with 10-minute tips and 30-minute interviews and stories to tune into, tune into Relaunch My Life Radio to discover your highest potential and feel inspired to live a life of zero regrets. If you want more, be sure to hit subscribe and visit us at www.relaunchmyliferadio.com for more. Hey everybody, welcome to Relaunch My Life Radio. This is Paul Lissio. Today, I am privileged to be speaking to Juliet Lever. Obviously, you guys have heard her before, but today we're going to dive deep and she doesn't know what questions I'm going to ask her. We haven't prepared any of this, so how are you feeling today? I'm feeling excited. This is fun and we've We've been talking about doing this for a while, so I'm yeah. um, looking forward to being interviewed as a change. Yeah, so how are you feeling about being interviewed and you know, not being the interviewer for once? Um, I really am excited that there will be some questions answered that I wouldn't have thought to talk through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love interviewing people so much and I really love asking the burning questions that come when I'm connecting to someone. And so because I do the 10 minute tips myself, to be able to have questions to answer, I think is gonna be super fun. So thank you for doing this. Perfect. So what I'm really interested in is what basically started you off on the journey? I know that there's been different stages where you've you know transitioned through a lot of different things, but for you, as far back as you can remember, what were the sort of things that you know were in the back of your mind that made you take the journey on this path? That's a really big question. Um, Honestly, I have always had a feeling ever since I was a child that there has to be more reason than why we're here than what most people do in their normal day to day. And I can remember even being about five or six years old and asking my mum, like, why am I me? Like, why am I not you? And why why are we here? And asking those sorts of questions. And I think what happens for so many of us is through programming and society and the school system and getting a job and all of that, those sorts of questions just kind of get swept to the side and life happens. And it wasn't until I was sort of in my mid-twenties and I had, as I wrote about in my book, like a series of... I guess, spiritual awakenings and wake-up calls that I really started asking those questions again that I had asked as a child. And they were pretty confronting because the questions really showed me a very stark mirror that the life I was living wasn't anywhere near the, the depth of capacity of what I knew that I was born to to do. Um, I had a pretty interesting upbringing now when I reflect on it and I don't think I would have chosen my parents unless I was here to do something pretty important in the world. So So what were the biggest challenges or things you were confronted with when you were you know deciding to relaunch your life and go out of the social norms and do things different? Uh, 
A big one was um, how much my values shifted in quite a short amount of time. Um, I had built up a friendship network which was pretty much based on binge drinking and going out every weekend to, to feel happy. And I had beautiful friends and I'm not sort of saying that they weren't amazing people. It's just as I started to define what was more important and as my priorities started to shifting to making a bigger difference in the world and really leaving a lasting impression and helping people live their best lives, it stopped being so rewarding to go out drinking. And I had to work through a lot of barriers of low self-esteem and a lot of barriers of putting other people's needs ahead of my own. And I can still remember journaling was a really big part of that. And one of the things that I journaled one day is um, I will not let anyone else influence me. And that writing that to myself as like a commitment to myself in that moment, I can still remember the next Saturday night I was out, I was with all my girlfriends and I was being peer pressured to stay out and keep drinking and doing those things. And I remembered vividly seeing those words that I'd written to myself and I just said no. And I said no from this place of strength that I didn't even know existed within me. And that became kind of like the, 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 the strength that I had then to start saying no to the things that no longer aligned to my values and yes to the things that opened doors and created opportunities for me and that's been um, something that I've continued exercising since then because I was definitely a yes woman. I would just say yes to please people and fit in and be easygoing. Like I prided myself on being easygoing and I love when my friends said, oh, you're so much fun. And then mm. when I started saying no to doing those things, people started saying things like, oh, you're no fun anymore. And initially it hurt, but I don't think it hurt would have hurt as much as me ignoring my own soul and my own spirit and what I'm really meant to do here in the world. I think that would have hurt more long term. Yeah. So I think that kind of answers one of my questions I was going to ask you. But for people that are wanting to do that and listening to themselves more and trusting their own, you know, wants and needs and their own values versus what everyone else, you know, is saying they need to do or they would like them to do. What kind of advice could you give them that's going to help them sort of stay true to themselves? I think um, one of the best pieces of advice I could give is something that actually helped me make the decision to end my marriage, which, you know, I've told you this, um, which was I fast forwarded my life. 10 years and I imagined my life in 10 years if I changed nothing and I could pretty much write the script and I could see how my life was going to go if I'd kept going the way I was going and then I imagined my life 10 years making this new decision and the the path was so blank canvas it was so unclear that I knew that that was the path that I needed to go down and I chose uncertainty over certainty because the certainty of what I knew I was going to keep doing if I kept you know saying no to myself and letting other people's wants control my life I was just going to end up being a bitter miserable overweight woman you know and and not living a life that was true and I think honestly I would have faced soul death so you know I guess my advice to people would be is the more you can get in tune with what's real for you and your feelings and your emotion and your intuition, like the, the harder it's going to be to ignore that stuff. And I think it's actually, um, you know, a, a process of getting to know yourself that you kind of have to unravel all of the usual coping mechanisms that society gives us, like drinking, food, you know, just distraction, even social media these days is such an easy one to just deflect from the pain that we're facing in our lives. But if you can sit with the pain or you can sit with the discomfort, then you can kind of find what that discomfort is trying to teach you. And then you can use that to help you to make the right choices and decisions. And I do think 
ultimately like I think we know what we need to do like I knew I needed to end my marriage a long time before I did I think unconsciously but I wasn't consciously prepared to accept it because I was so afraid of what people would say and think and I was afraid of the consequences and I was afraid of breaking a commitment and all of those sorts of things so yeah I think deep down you know and deep down my advice would be like that knowing isn't going to get any quieter so um, you, you may as well start listening to it and nurturing it and just know that it's not going to be the big catastrophe that you might be playing out in your mind whatever the decision is you know what could um, one small step in that direction look like or what could um, you know the best possible scenario be because I think so often we just catastrophize and think about all the worst things that could happen but um, I think it's really important to think about well, what's also the upside of what could happen as yeah. well. So I think a lot of people in that similar position are thinking about the worst case scenario, are stuck in what will happen if I do do it <coughs> and all that kind of stuff. Is there any more advice that you could give to someone that is thinking of changing jobs, thinking of changing relationships, thinking of you know stepping out and doing something they haven't done before that you know feel like it is like a big giant leap and like it might not be but in their head it really is for them and it's bringing up a whole heap of stuff like if you were to to go into basically their world and help them understand like what could help them get moving what would you say to them well two things first is if you haven't done it yet then it means you're not ready yeah. and that's okay like <clears throat> it's really important to honor that and know you know nothing goes away until we've learned what we need to and if you're still there then perhaps there's still some things that you need to learn about the situation so learn them as quickly as you can and then you're more likely to transform it and transmute it. But the second thing reminds me actually of a, um, a speaker at Awesomeness Fest that I went to just before I quit my job back in, I think it was 2014 now. Mm. And his name is Kyle Cease. He's a comedian, but he also speaks a lot about consciousness. And there was one particular speech that he did where he said, you know, there's so many of you out there in the world who are, you're trying to tell the world that you're a big girl and you're wearing your big girl pants, but you're still holding on to a big security blanket, e.g. your part-time job or your full-time job. And on the one hand, you're saying, yeah, I'm a big girl, give me big girl opportunities. But on the other hand, you're still walking around with diapers and holding your little blankie carrying mm. on in the world so you need to decide are you going to wear your big girl pants or are you going to and let go of that blanket security blanket or are you going to actually start moving forward um, or are you going to stay where you are and straight away I turned to the person that I was sitting next to at the workshop and I was like I need to quit my job that's my security blanket I'm being mm. I'm, I'm, I'm saying to the world yeah I want to be up on the stage and I want to run transformational events and I want to change the world but I'm just going to hold on to this little security blanket. And I could feel the incongruence in that. And so I made the decision um, to quit my job the week I got back from that course. And I did that and I've never looked back. Yeah. So. so one thing I'm interested in, probably a lot of people that listen to you and seen have seen your journey are interested in. You've done lots of different things. You've done retreats. You've been on television show, like fun, charity fundraiser. You've also raised a lot of money while being overseas just recently. You've run workshops all around Australia. You've done a podcast. You've, you know, released a best-selling book, and all these things. Out of all of those, what was the biggest jump for you? And I'm, I'm sure there's probably different jumps at each of these different things. I mean, you've travelled all over the world. Like, what got you the biggest out of your comfort zone, or made you feel the most uncomfortable to start with? Like, what was the biggest initial out of all those different ones? I know at each stage there was different things, and there's been times we did different trainings as well. Like, which ones really stand out to you as ones that were key pivotal jumps in who you were as a person or what you had to do? Hmm. 
that's a really good question because I think when I'm scanning through them, I'm trying to feel for the 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 highest peak of emotion maybe that I had attached to one or the biggest mm. amount of fear. But through learning NLP and hypnosis and all of those things with you, mm. darling, um, I feel like they were just the next logical step and there wasn't any fear about them. I felt so well equipped mentally and emotionally that it was just like, right, this is the next thing to do. I would say from a personal development perspective, obviously having your own business and then also having a business with your partner is an amazing personal development course and big step. Um, I, I would say the decision that we made to join our businesses has been a really big step because that also unraveled a lot of commitment things for me, but it's been the most incredible experience. And I think our businesses are just flourishing with both of us at the helm. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. um, but I would have to say it's a toss up between running my first overseas retreat and writing my book. Cool. Um, so talk me through them. So out of running your retreat overseas, what about that was a big stretch or pushed you or challenged you? Um, well, I think, I mean, I prepared really well because I had done a lot of local retreats. So I'd done several retreats in Adelaide, one with you, and I'd done one on my own just with women. I'd done a lot of day retreats. So I encounter a lot of people that say that they want to do a Bali retreat, for example, and they've mm -hmm. never even run a small retreat. So I think I, I'd done that process. I think it's Jim Collins. He talks about shoot a full few bullets first, then fire the cannon. I never fire the cannon first. I always shoot a few bullets first, get a few runs on the board, learn some quick wins and learn what things can go wrong and try and like level up in that way before taking on something big. Like an overseas retreat is, is just going to show you your shit it's going to show you so much stuff about yourself and I think the reason it was so big is Bali is a really interesting place like energetically I think it shows you who you are at your soul level and so running a retreat is like taking that 10 times <laughs> um, and I think honestly being responsible for 12 women in an overseas country was something that I wasn't totally prepared for my first retreat I learned a lot um, I learned a lot about, you know, how to choose the right participants and how to support them and all of those sorts of things. So then by the second retreat, I was much more well equipped. And by the third retreat I ran, it was like the best retreat I could have possibly put on ever. And so I felt like I could close that chapter and I didn't need to keep running retreats. Um, and I know that sounds interesting, but it, it felt like I learned what I needed to. And I think a big part of my business has been finding myself, learning what I needed to, also healing myself because Bali retreats were something, a Bali retreat was something that was so healing for me and my journey. I wanted to give that back to people as well. Um, so it was huge, I think, because um, Bali is so unpredictable. And I think running a retreat, you're really trying to hold a safe container for people. And um, there's so much to be across and things would just change at the drop of a hat. And, you know, like someone got bitten by a snake at one of my retreats. Like mm. there was just always something going on. And I got stretched as a leader and I got tested a lot in those. Um, but I'm really proud that I did them. I'm glad that I did them. And I'm also super happy that I'm not running them right now because it was a lot to take on. And it's allowed me to focus on doing other things. Yeah. The book... <sighs> showed me so much about who I am in terms of um, perfectionism and procrastination, but also shelving those things for a bigger reason. And I realized, you know, during the process of writing my book, 
it's not about me. This is for the woman who needs to read it. And this is the exact book that I would have needed to read five years ago when I was on that path and I was searching for answers and I just didn't find them. Um, so I think in life, like definitely in business and life, if you can make whatever you're doing about who you're serving and what you're giving it to, then I think it allows you to just put all that other stuff aside and mm. focus on what really matters, which is, you know, shipped is better than done. There's this book called Ship It. I think it's by, I, th I feel like it's by Malcolm Gladwell, but I, I think I've got it wrong. Um, I'll have to find out who it is. But <clears throat> basically it just talks about like getting projects out and just get them out. Like done is better than perfect because sometimes people are making things perfect, 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 and they're not getting anything put out there in the world. And, you know, my first draft of my book, I think I counted, even though I had checked it, you had checked it, and my editor had checked it, and I'd had a proofreader, there were still 17 typos or spelling mistakes in the first edit that 100 people got copies of. And that, um, that didn't matter, because the messages and the emails that I got from people saying how much it had shifted their awareness, or it had changed their life, or saved their marriage, or things like that, like, that's what matters. The spelling mistakes don't matter. Yeah. So... so one thing I, I want to kind of know, you really You're like really travel. good at this. Well, thanks. I'm really enjoying this. So you've traveled extensively throughout a lot of the world. And I know travel is something that at one point was a high value of yours and it's kind of shifted a little bit over time. What has travel given you and how has it helped you grow? And maybe where are some of the best places and what have you got from those places? Hmm. Yeah, I think we're so lucky to be able to travel. I mean... At the moment, it's a little bit up and down, but um, to be able to travel as affordably as we do, I mean, my dad came out to Australia on a ship when he was six years old and it took like four or five weeks to get from Holland to Australia. And, you know, now I could jump on a plane and be in Holland in 20 hours. You know, that's incredible, I think. Um, so for me personally, being able to travel to Holland and visit my family is really important for me and um, has allowed me to understand myself in a much deeper way. So I think if any of you listening have got heritage, like even if it's not your immediate parents, even if it's ancestors or grandparents, there's a really strange knowing feeling that I think we we go when we visit certain places. Um, I'm also really excited to be traveling to Uluru with my mother later this year, and I know that's gonna be a special moment. For me, the visual anchors of a unique place shared with someone is really special. So I know I'm going to have memories. I'm getting a bit teary. I know I'm going to have memories of being in Uluru with my mom on such a meaningful journey. And that'll be a, a shared memory that we have for life. Mm. Just like you and I, when we went to Yosemite yeah. and we had like 12 hours in Yosemite and we know what that moment meant for us. And yeah. that is so special. Um, so, yeah, uh, gosh, Bali obviously has been really healing as a travel destination. And I think every single time I've been there about 10 or 11 times now, every time I've been there, it's actually shown me how different I am and I've had a different Juliet reflected. So I think traveling to new places is really cool, but also traveling to places you've been can also reflect to you how much you've shifted and grown and changed as well, as well as the place changes as well, which shows you that. And I love America for some reason, you know, just the wildlife, the nature there. And my uncle and auntie who live in Sedona, it's a very special spiritual place. That for me has been very transformative. And I can still remember my first trip driving from Phoenix to Sedona in a hire car and like driving on the wrong side of the road and just having that sense of adventure and thrill at doing something for the first time and, you know, just feeling so free and independent. So, yeah, that's really cool. And... 
one thing that I really want to know also, and I think people are, are curious to kind of find out for you, like obviously not everything's been perfect on your journey. Not everything's worked the first time and, you know, everything's a, out of the ballpark success. So what have you been your biggest sort of obstacles or roadblocks in growing your business, in getting out there and helping people that you've learned a lot from that, you know, other people can learn from your experience? I think really finding what works for you and not comparing yourself to others. Um, for me, a big a big thing that I love is creating really safe spaces for people to be themselves so that they can heal and transform and let go. And I have personally struggled with the online space in creating that. You know, I, I have an online presence, but in terms of like online yoga classes that I used to run, um, so when I taught yoga I um, decided when I closed, stopped teaching yoga at an actual studio I decided to run online yoga sessions and I had about 20 people paying me you know 10 or 20 dollars a week for yoga sessions and yeah I was making money from it but I didn't get that sense of connection that you get after a yoga class when you get the feedback and the hugs so for me it didn't fill my tank and I couldn't congruently keep offering it so for me just doing something because it makes money doesn't align I need to also make sure that people are getting connection and, and I'm getting that as well and so the online courses and things like that that I've built I feel like um, yeah that's been a bit of a personal struggle for me because I really love you know when I run my seven day NLP courses now I can visually see the transformation in the people and that's why it's so rewarding for me whereas if someone does an online course I mean online course completion rates are like less than 40% usually that just breaks my heart like thinking of someone spending money and not getting value from what they're doing with me mm. that's something that I'm, I still struggle with so I think you know it's easy to look at what other people are doing and compare it and say oh I should do that but if it doesn't align for you that's okay like find what works for you and run your own race you know if you're running a race and you're spending all your energy looking at where all of the other people in the race are you're going to trip up whereas if you're running your race and you're just enjoying the feeling of the movement and you're enjoying the beautiful scenery and the fresh air in your lungs you're going to have a beautiful life which is the race that we're all in right yeah. Cool. So what races, what challenges, what's going on for you now? What's the next thing that you're really focused on and you're looking at doing? Great. Well, the actual race I'm running is a race to healing and self-love, which is actually not a race at all. It's, it's a really beautiful, slow journey, which includes lots of daily rituals and routines and things um, where I'm healing some inflammation in my body and some lymph toxicity. I talked a bit about on my podcast a few weeks ago. I'm working with a really beautiful doctor from America and I feel really grateful to be going through that versus the solution from the Western medical model, which was to cut me open, which I don't think is the only solution. So it's not a race as much as it's a journey. Um, and the other journey that I have is um, something that I've been wanting to do for several years, which is to actually create my take on a Tony Robbins event for people who don't really want to go to a Tony Robbins event and obviously have it run by a female. Um, and that is a weekend transformational event so that people can transform their five major areas of their life, their health, their wealth, their relationships, their spiritual connection and their real purpose in life. And so that's just like makes me so beautifully inspired and excited but also a little bit nervous which means that it's the right thing to be doing mm -hmm. um, because yeah one of the biggest lessons I've learned is if it scares you if it frightens you then that's what where you need to go because there's so much stored energy there and when you push past the fear 
you'll get incredible opportunities and results that you just didn't even know were possible. So that sounds a bit counterintuitive for most people. Most people would fear that, feel that fear and they'd run the opposite way. They'd yeah. be afraid they'd shut down. So when did you start to develop that and why do you think that's important for other people to cultivate if you do think it's important? I think, well, it was even before I met you actually mm -hmm. that I started realising, okay, I've had a second chance at life. I'm going to give this life all I've got. And I think I was in such a safety net comfort zone for so long that I realized, well, that can only kind of get you so far. And then I started testing it and I even started, and this is something that I'm really passionate about doing as well. Like when I would go, when I was very first waking up, I guess, as you call it, I would go to workshops and things and and I would notice that there would usually be one or two people in a workshop or a training that would trigger me or I would judge or I would not want to sit near or something like that and so I would force myself to get to know that person or I would force myself to talk to that person and on the other side of that was always really cool opportunities or really cool learnings or really cool mirrors and reflections and so I think since then and then after that you definitely have helped me to overcome fear and you know we talk a lot about that feeling of growth I was talking about that just today I was getting all overwhelmed and I reframed it and said oh I'm getting so many feelings of growth right now it's mm. good it's good and it just feels different when you say it like that um, so I think it's just been something that has been proven over the last five or six years now that if there's something that frightens you it means there's stored energy there and if you can push past that then you can get to the gold um, but if you don't, then that energy just stays stuck there and you stay stuck in fear. And I think honestly what the world needs now more than anything is for people to move through fear and to know that it's an illusion and it's something that we construct in our mind and it impacts our physiology and it shuts us down and it sends out a really different energy into the world. And that's not the energy this world needs. The, the world needs leaders who are feeling the fear and moving through it and doing it anyway, to quote that book, right? Cool, cool. Mm. So I think we're getting close to the end of the session. So I want to do a bit of a rapid fire round. These are just random questions that I threw together just to give people a bit more of an insight to, you know, just some of the workings of Juliet Lever. I think they're going to have to get you back. Yeah, well, hopefully. I've, hopefully I've done all right. So just a couple quick favorites, okay? So what's your favorite color? Oh, I was going to say blue because you're wearing blue and it was the first color, but purple is my favorite color. Yeah. Cool. Um, what's your favorite number? Seven. What's your favorite movie? Moulin Rouge. Okay, why is that? I I got the DVD when DVDs kind of first came out for Christmas when I was like 14. Yeah. And so it was one of the few DVDs that I actually had that I owned. And so I would watch it. And there's just something beautiful about the chemistry between Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor in that movie. Um, I think all the theatrics, I never really liked musicals. But then, yeah, when I was in New York last month... I went and saw Moulin Rouge on Broadway and I cried. I was there on my own and it was just the most beautiful experience. So, yeah. I, I, love haven't, good... seen, I haven't seen that movie. Yay, we can watch it. Um, I love a good love story too. And it ends... It ends. I would say it ends better than Romeo and Juliet. Okay. There you go. Slightly better okay, than cool. Romeo and Juliet. So, if you were on death row, what would be your last meal? Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm on this really strict eating regimen at the moment. So, I'm going to think really carefully about this. <sighs> And I know I you'd probably want to cook it yourself as well. No. No, you wouldn't? Oh, uh, maybe. No, um, I know it's really strange. Probably something cooked by you. By me? Actually, oh. just to make the heartstrings really... Probably the, um, the meal that you cooked for me 
on one of the first evenings, the lamb shanks that you made, that they were just infused with so much love and care and you'd spent ages making them and you just looked so beautiful. And they had lots of butter and salt as well. So. Butter and salt is the and key to dessert, successful. dessert would have to be um, oh, either a really good mud cake or like a sticky date pudding with really good premium ice cream. Premium ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> key to a successful life. So who's your favourite like artist in terms of music? Hmm. I have a lot. Depends on what mood, but like, who would you say your top three artists are? I really love Sia, and yeah. she's from Adelaide, and I think so many of her songs have really beautiful hidden meanings in them. Mm. Um, yeah, there's one that I'm listening to at the moment, Angel by the Wings, which just gives me shivers every single time. So Cool. And what's your favourite all-time quote? The hard road gets easier, and the easy road gets harder. Yeah. I think I said it the wrong way around. That's but... okay. It's, the message was still there. Yeah. And if you were to summarise your life, you know, message in a couple of sentences, what would it be? Like, what would be your life message if you were going to say it to the listeners? You were born for a reason. And your purpose is to find that reason. There's no other reason for being here. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. How have you found today? lovely yeah you did fantastic and i really thoroughly enjoyed our interview that's not awkward at all no. awesome well thank you so much for interviewing me uh, my pleasure and hopefully we can do a few more of these it's been super fun uh let us know if you've enjoyed today uh leave comments share obviously like the podcast and share it with your friends and if you want to reach out julia is going to be running her transform event soon tickets go on sale end of march yeah there'll be early bird tickets available i'm very excited we've got some amazing guest speakers that are going to be involved there may be an appearance by yours truly as well as Paul Alicio. So Yeah, hopefully I get a gig. We'll see how we go. <laughs> Thank you so much. And yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, give us a shout. Um, leave us a review or email me at julia at relaunchmylife.com.au. Keep evolving. Thanks, guys. Ciao. That's this week's episode from Relaunch My Life Radio, live from Australia. Visit us at relaunchmyliferadio.com for more. And remember... It's never too late to relaunch your life.